Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. I want to invite you to set an intention today for the time we spend together. Whether you are stepping away from your daily task to listen restfully or tuning in while you're driving or doing housework or exercising, I invite you to think of this time together as a little pause in your day, a little shift out of your daily rhythm. You never know what revelation your pausing might bring to you. In this episode, you'll learn how I was invited to pause when pausing felt impossible with all that had to be watched and taken care of. And you'll hear about an extraordinary happening that may have never happened had I not stepped out of my cycle of activity. Yes, the pause opened up space for something truly miraculous. This episode ends with a surprise new connection which I hope might bring you a new sense of hope, too. Father Bruno Lanteri. And if you don't know who he is, well, you'll just have to listen in and find out. Did you know our podcast sponsor, the 501c3 nonprofit I See That, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation, is now the Blink of an Eye nonprofit, And they have a launch campaign so they can raise funds to go bedside with SCI families in crisis. You can donate on blinkofaneye.org or ictat.org for the HEAL team, which brings hope, empowerment, advocacy, and logistical medical navigation tips to spinal cord injured families in crisis. If you are interested in finding out more, or becoming part of the Blink of an Eye cutting-edge relational approaches to trauma healing, medical trauma, navigation, and emotional and spiritual support for SCI families in crisis. Fill out an information form at www.blinkofaneye.org. Follow Blink of an Eye on Instagram and Facebook at Blink of an Eye Nonprofit. Links to these platforms will be in the show notes. Welcome. To Season 3, Episode 24, The Sacred Pause, How Rest Created Space to Receive a Miraculous Healing. Hello, dear ones. When is the last time you simply stopped what you were doing and stepped outside of your routine? You may have tried, but then filled that time away with more activity. Or... Did you allow yourself to rest? Does the idea of resting even for an hour feel obtainable in your life? Or does it feel like there are too many barriers in the way 
of your stepping away, for even a short moment in the grand scheme of things. Well, for many of us, it can feel impossible simply to stop for a moment and just be. In such moments, we have the opportunity to listen to our surroundings, to be more aware of our thought patterns that take up so much room in our minds, and to empty or calm that chatter in our brains so that we might receive messages from our higher selves and from God. Yes, little messages that are meant to reach us but that we might miss when we are in perpetual motion. I know this well. Maybe you do too. And even if that's not the case for you, sometimes we can feel all kinds of resistance to simply sitting still, both due to societal pressure, the demands of our lives, and perhaps a restless human nature. Way back in 1654, before all of the modern trappings of life which have given us so much more free time, but ironically have so often attributed to our restlessness, Blair Pascal wrote, All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. I'd like today's episode to serve as an opportunity for all of us to pause. That might mean taking up Pascal's challenge and sitting quietly for some time and breathing through the discomfort that might arise in that stillness. Or it might mean just becoming a little bit more aware of that internal Energizer Bunny that keeps us go, go, going, and perhaps taking it a little less seriously from time to time. In any case, I want to share with you an experience I had in one of the busiest, most demanding times in my life when my family and my community stepped in to give me a break and what happened in that break. Stay tuned for how I received a message that I know was divinely timed to reach me, not in my hurried state, but in a state of rest and receptivity. I hope it inspires you to find the spaciousness in your life to be ready to receive whatever message is awaiting you as well. So settle in. Take a deep breath and set your own intention for how you will rest into this moment in whatever way you have the capacity for right now. Here we go. October 25th, 2015. Family and Friends Update, Day 84. As I sit here, bedside to Archer, we sense a certain melancholic change in Archer. Pete noted it too. I don't think he's given up, but there's a withdrawal 
a bit of an edginess. It's neither fun nor funny. It's not smiley. Reality is setting in in a new way and we have to guard against a form of complacency that seems to be panting outside the door, so to speak. The Archer's army team need fighters and protectors on the outside who can make rehab and practice and all those opportunities possible. The Archangels can work on assisting with his fortitude and inner strength on the inside. This feels like another turning point. October 28th, Family and Friends Update, Day 87. So, we've been scrambling and trying to figure out the best plan for Arch. We think we have it by returning to Baltimore and going inpatient to Kennedy Krieger with lesser intense rehab until Archer is strong enough to enter an outpatient setting. It's an interesting no-man's-land predicament. Not sick enough for ICU, not healthy enough for continued rehab at the next level. Tired, worn out, and inexiflated again. That'd make a good country western song, don't you think? I can hear it now. Maybe Steve Martell and musician friends at McDonough could write that song. Not funny. Well, they did write a very lovely song for Archer already. Very talented and loving. But honestly, I'm looking for the humor in this for some form of relief even if it is a bit offbeat. Humor and comic relief, it crops up here and there. Like when one of the new techs in Archer's room was commenting on two gorgeous 8 by 10 photos of Kate May, gifted to Archer from a local photographer, Dottie Dolling, member of the beach club where Archer was working. Of the many sent to him, taken of Kate May, he chose a photo of the beach club itself and a photo of the seagulls in flight over the surf on the sand on the beach club's beach. They're on the wall in front of his bed where he can see them, along with Pete's Archer Strong graffiti, a young co-ed's Don't Give Up Archer, and a cross with Jesus. Well, we were talking with the tech and letting her know how much we loved Kate May. And as I was promising Archer that we'd get back to Kate May, I turned to the tech and said, Archer loves the beach and the ocean. Well, Archer's mouth curled to the side, as you know he does sometimes when he talks from the days when he had no hearing, and he said, is he kind of, bowed his head in a sort of submission-like way, with eyes getting big as he raised his eyebrows, and he said, I might love her, but she didn't love me back. (sighs) 
there it is again. These moments, they stab. As of this week, it's now four hours every four hours of the inexiflator, whether he thinks he needs it or not, with saline and bicarbonate treatments. So painful for Archer. It's a hardcore last-ditch effort on weaning by Shepard. He has profuse sweating all day long, but especially at night, which has us back-to-back all night again, just wiping off his face and the back of his neck and shoulders. But it's not the five or eight deep lung suctions, so that's awesome. Shepard might think he's plateaued, and, well, maybe he has. But I know that is not quite the picture. It might be the medical view. But wait, as they say on NPR, there's more. So here is what happened regarding divine inspiration and the Holy Spirit at work. Now, I hope I'm not losing you here. Of course I'm not because we are believers. I mean, you are the ones carrying me and allowing me to still believe. Even though Shepard told us Archer has essentially plateaued. I know his body has not, and God's power and mercy certainly has not plateaued. Shepard too, in all fairness, says that they hope and think it is very possible Archer's spinal cord will do more healing over the next eight months and might produce some new impulses in his deltoids of his arm. And if so, we can return for more rehab in their day program. I agree with them and know that will happen. But I know something else that they may not. And I believe something else that they may not. They may believe this too, but it is hard for some to hold out a belief in something that is not explained by science. What I know as Archer's mother, delusional and difficult as I'm sure I can be as a relational advocate, is that he will heal But more importantly, he will have a creative miracle. He needs all we can give him to keep up his hope. We have to work in and of this world to allow the mystery of God's world to be revealed. We cannot have Archer get depressed or stop trying or feel the despair of his current situation. I know, and I just know and believe, and I think you do too, that he will have complete restoration. That will be the creative miracle, complete restoration. God's time, yes. Will it be dramatic? Yes, it will be. Our job is to believe and pray in unity for the creative miracle. 
There's everything to gain and nothing to lose in doing so. Archer is still alive because of your prayers. He believes too, but his body is thin and wearied. Now you might find me a bit lunatic, and I own that part. I imagine I probably sound a bit or a lot lunatic, believing as I do in a creative miracle. I don't feel lunatic, though. I feel quite peaceful, actually. I feel accepting of our reality, while also believing in the more majestic reality of a miracle. And I'm okay with that duality. I'm okay with our temporal time and the agonizing waiting. It's not that agonizing, actually, when I remind myself what we are preparing for. The unity that you have given us and each other is part of the preparation. The saying of the creative miracle at the end of the sports events by the rival teams, fighting hard to win and beat each other, but in the end, being united, knowing it was a good game, a hell of a good game. But the game is not what was most important. It's a humanity and unity and asking for help with something greater than any of us can humanly provide. Something greater than any of us has alone. Something we can request together in unity and in intercession. We so need each other. And it's the unity you write and tell Archer and me about in your letters and cards of your experiences with children, with your husbands, with your families, with your colleagues. It's the stories of you, young adults, who are away in college, sometimes estranged from your parents, and re-examining that and returning to find God's presence to guide you back into working on a fractured relationship, restored to a feeling of peace, of unity. It's the stories of students who tell Archer that they are working hard in school or on the sports field when they thought it was too hard or they weren't doing well. And they've turned that around, giving it up for Archer's pain and struggle and feeling good about it and about themselves. That unity is powerful. It's all the stories and letters that begin, Dear Mrs. Sam, Dear Mrs. Sam. or Dear Louise, Dear Louise you, you don't, don't, know, know, me, don't know me, but, but I read them all to Archer. He is moved. He nods and closes his eyes and is very contemplative. 
It's all the cards from children across the country, from preschoolers to high schoolers, and notes from their teachers that can move anyone to tears. That sounds something like, to my third grade students, there is a boy named Archer Sempt. He had a bad accident in the ocean when he dove in and his head hit a sandbar. He's paralyzed now and can't move. It's also really hard for him to breathe. Let's see how we breathe. Put your hands in your lap and just breathe. Now, take your right hand and put it in front of your mouth as you breathe. As you feel your breath, that is called your exhale. See how nice and easy it is to feel that? Archer can't do that. Let's all be grateful for our breath today and send that gratitude to Archer so he can heal. Amazing stories, tailored to young children and so very important for us. We feel the energy of those little hands becoming more aware of their breath, and we feel their marveling at God's majesty, the simple and the divine, living more at ease, greater well-being in that moment, inspired by you as we inspire each other. We are all teachers. We all have influence. Each of your stories and your daily gratitude creates well-being. So it is through this catastrophic tragedy we are more united with each other. And okay, so even if Archer is not restored to breathing with ease, or doesn't experience a creative miracle, walking and jumping and running and moving freely. I know that what we are all doing is in preparation for a creative miracle, whether in this lifetime or the next. I also believe that if there is not a creative miracle, Archer will create something big and amazing that will better the world. It's another form of a creative miracle I've said to myself. And it pacifies me in a certain way. But I have questioned if I was wavering in my faith and my belief by reframing a creative miracle for my own coping mechanism. Either way, it's good. We are still praying to this day. Though many were called into our circle of prayer out of a critical and almost desperate plea for Archer's life and ability to breathe following his accident, the collective prayers seemed to deepen and then expand.
and they grew into the prayer for the creative miracle. Have you thought of what a creative miracle might mean in your life if there is something dire that you face that appears very impossible to change? So many were part of our prayer for the creative miracle. And I think those musings I had about the many ways the creative miracle might show itself other than Archer getting up and walking down the hallway were to pacify my deep grief. But they also deepened and expanded my awareness of the many number of ways to see and receive miracles all around us. The experience back in 2015 and 16 with Archer and all the prayer warriors and Archer's army still takes my breath away, illuminating for me new possibilities I could not have imagined. When we collectively do something with intention and then we add a certain intensity to that intention, like we do with intentional prayer, I do believe we can move mountains, even if not today, in time, God's time. Do you feel that too? It's a hard but beautiful learning for me. The learning is patience and perseverance and trust that there is something much more all-knowing than I, and it is good, and only wants what is good for us. Patience and trust. I'm finding to this day, in new ways each week, how much peace that does bring. Yes, I will be patient. Maybe there is something you will be patient about too. It will all be worth the wait. Now, back to the family and friends update. The most curious thing happened Sunday. Knowing Pete was coming this weekend to Shepherd, Billy put his foot down and told me I had to take advantage of that and leave to rest. (sighs) He was right. The last almost two weeks have about undone me at Shepherd. Plus, I pulled three all-nighters doing work for clients trying to keep it all together. So knowing Archer would have good coverage, Billy and I hatched a plan for me to have time alone to sleep Saturday evening to Monday at 4 a.m. when I would take them back to the airport. It sounded glorious on one hand, thinking of being in a bed and putting my phone on silent. But an interesting thing happened. Before I left Archer's room, I was cleaning it up and I picked up a book, Jesus Calling, that had been sent to me as a gift, a lovely gift. 
I read the entry for Saturday. It was as if the pages were talking to me. You know that feeling? Like you're being seen and understood in a deep way? Well, the power of the words in that book, for those who also read it, it's likely similar. Like the words are written just for you. They are. I think it speaks to us on those days when we are most weary, or most angst, most down, when we're weak, for that is when we need strength the most, and when God is always there as the sole source of our strength. Always. So the entry said, rest. It noted how important it is that we rest in God, that we rest to hear God. When we rest, we can be especially close to God. Well, my imagining going to bed and not waking up for 20 hours shifted. And I thought in that moment, go to bed and wake up and read the cards. Read the cards to rest and feel renewed. It was a distinct plan. I took Archer's visiting Baltimore friends to Mass, had a lovely dinner with Atlanta Angels, went to the apartment that our dear friend from UVA has given to us, and crashed. I went to bed on Saturday, and I awoke about 7.30 a.m., Sunday. The emails and texts had begun. I knew I would have people to call and plans to make on Archer's behalf, and that the day would be eaten up quickly. I didn't like that feeling. I wanted to protect this time. I sat quietly. Rest in God. Reading the cards. Yes, They renew me. They give me such peace and joy to hear from you. To hear from you with your love and your prayers and how your lives are moved by our lives. Our lives are moved by you. There are many of your cards that I do not get a chance to read those few days I am away when Billy and I trade and I usually leave some of the cards from the daily card reading ceremony for the weekend when friends visit, giving them a way to connect with Archer, as it is a bit awkward for some of the kids, I think. But there are more cards of late that I've not read because our days in the last few weeks have been slammed. As I think about it, I wonder how it's possible to cram so much in a day and into a night. And of course, all punctuated by four to six hours a day of the therapies and the vest shakeup treatments and the anexiflations. I know you're wondering what in the world is going on since you hadn't heard from me for so long. So I should probably share with you that what's been so intense is all the negotiation, planning, 
and training. It's been a flurry of family training and conferences and calls and insurance, making equipment decisions and house accommodations meetings from afar, and flying home for meetings, applications, many applications, meetings with Archer's pulmonologists on tough decisions, meetings with the nutritionist and calories, and while any food is good food, any food is not good food. The ventilator vendor who lives in breeze tubes, the wheelchair seat fitter, the loner chair, the backup chair, the calls with the other shepherd families, the shower chair, mid-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, arm attachments, the art teacher, Archer's first drawing, and his subsequent not wanting to draw, the friends and their playing and apartment schedules, the new research that may help Archer, my office, my work, scheduling, travel, being approved in respiratory training, being checked off that we understand Archer's bladder care, that we can perform his bladder care, that we can perform his nightly bowel care, that we can bathe him, that we can manage and use the manual Hoyer lift, that we know how to strap the harness under Archer and to secure the straps and manage the overhead electrical ceiling lift, that we know the controls and buttons and settings on the ventilator machine, the portable ventilator machine, and how to transfer one to the other so Archer never misses a breath, the anexiflator and its tubing, the saline, the saline, the saline, settings, checks, the daily bed sore inspection that we can dress Archer without wrenching his shoulder, the tracheotomy wound care, the peg care, the now suprapubic wound care, the care of the many scars on his body, the stem treatment, the manual arm support and its clunky setup and use, and Archer's ability to spear mandarin oranges and a piece of solid, easily separable food. Discussions about depression and what is typical. Discussions about calories and getting homemade food to him in small amounts as he can tolerate. Managing Archer's vomiting, his nausea, his weight loss, cutting or clamping his feeding tube, evaluating him for GI muscle damage, his profuse face and neck and shoulder sweating, cajoling him to talk more with the air removed from his cuff, which is very uncomfortable, assembling and helping Archer use the equipment for his future hopeful use of an iPad with a mouth stick. Decisions about more surgery for two pacemakers for his diaphragm if the heart pacemaker is turned off and eventually removed. Costs, costs, interfering with the rehab team, meetings with the case manager, the unit manager, the transition manager, the Medicaid manager, the WC manager, Identifying expectations, managing expectations, redefining progress, negotiations for time, helping Archer find his voice, and on it goes. And there's all the home accommodations, and the generator, and plans, and drawings, and approval application, and design, 
and cost management, etc. We haven't had much time in the last couple weeks to read all the mail, except on the weekends when the friends do that. So I knew there were many cards that had been opened, but that I had not seen. I love your cards. They do provide rest. I have this idea that I will remember each person who has written or sent something lovely. I pray I do. Please know that I do, even if you never hear from me, as I wish I could thank you with a beautiful handwritten thank you note. I looked around at the stacks of cards and letters. I have been bringing bags of Archer's mail to the apartment as there is no more room in his room. I wanted to read them. I wasn't sure which ones I had not read. I picked up a random pile of cards and I felt peaceful. As I sat on the sofa, I began to read the already opened cards. I had only read a few when the next card in the stack was unopened. Hmm. Overlooked, I thought. But as I continued, there was a stack within the stack of a few unopened cards. All postmarked. September 28th. I was a bit startled because it had been a month and how terrible that some of your love was not opened. Well, in this small stack was a card from a woman friend who wrote me in longhand a long note about how she had been awakened early in the morning the night before at 2 a.m. on September 27th and had Archer on her mind a lot. Her holy hour Sunday morning at 3 a.m. is her quiet time with the Lord. She got up, dressed, and went to her church where she prayed and lit a candle. In her thoughts and prayers came the name of a friend of hers from the Oblates of the Blessed Virgin Mary, an order of priests. She continued to pray and listen. Her thoughts went to the newly elected rector of the worldwide order. She knew to be still and to continue to pray. As the Blessed Mother and God reveal their intentions to us, when we are quiet and listening closely. Her thoughts then went to the founder of the order, but she did not know who that was. She then had a thought that she was to write me. She went home and got on her computer and researched the founder of the order. It is the venerable Pio Bruno Lanteri, That was shown to her. Ben Lanteri was a holy man 
there's a movement for him to be beatified and sanctified as a saint, a process approved by Pope John Paul in 1965. That's the process for Catholic saints. He needs two miracles to be canonized. But his cause for sainthood began in 1920 during a world war. His death was August 5th, 1830. Archer's accident was August 5th. He was known for his creativity and selflessness. And at the age of 17, he suffered a big life setback due to a weakening of the chest. (laughs) She wrote me all of this and said she felt God's hand was leading her and wanted me to know. There, that envelope and letter had been sitting exactly a month. And there I was setting aside a time and a place to rest in God's presence. Jesus called. It felt very right. The Venerable Lanteri, his father Bruno Lanteri, he went on to found the Oblate Order of Priests and thus a connection to her friend in her prayers and thoughts. The Holy Spirit is always at work when we are open. I went back to the hospital and shared this with Archer. We decided we will pray directly to Father Bruno Lanteri for a creative miracle, as well as directly to God and to Mary and Jesus. Bruno will be with us. Billy found a photo of this saint. Well, technically in the church, an almost saint. But we know that holy people and good people are in heaven, and all who are in heaven are saints. Many good people you know who have passed on to be with God, they too are saints. The communion of saints. They are all around us. I have known they surround me for years, and it's very comforting. They surround you, too, and you can find comfort in that. So, we've adopted Father Bruno. Our friend had his prayer cards cut, and they're being distributed if you'd like to have one. I'll take a picture and add to this update. Isn't that lovely? With his death and Archer's death of the life he had, there will be new creative beginning. I just know that there will be. Let's all together say a prayer to the venerated Father Pio Bruno Lanteri. Dear Bruno, please intercede on behalf of our lion-hearted son that he will have 
a creative miracle. Let's really believe and go for it and ask that Archer Semp will walk again and give all the praise and glory to God. Venerated Lantary, too, had a special devotion to our Mother Mary. If you'd like a prayer card, I'll post where you can get one once I know. A creative miracle. The miracle is underway. The stories are remarkable that Archer and I receive almost daily. God is helping us. Your prayers are helping us. You are instruments. And we are the beneficiaries. And we are in such need. Here was indeed a moment in which divine timing was at play. Divine timing is always at play, of course. But this was a moment when it was particularly tangible and received. Father Bruno Lanteri's death was August 5th, the same day as Archer's accident. And almost six weeks later from the accident, Diane Beliveau was awakened in the night and divinely led to go to a quiet, holy place and pray when she received the messages that led to Father Lanteri and the inspiration to reach out to me. But it wasn't until late October that I found her note, exactly when it was meant to reach me, exactly when we were ready to receive this message. If I had opened the letter during the full depths of shock in the earlier weeks, who knows if it would have plucked such a clear chord of yes. I had the chance to speak with Diane Beliveau, the sender of the letter, about how she responded to the wake-up and what this experience meant to her. Here's part of our conversation. It was really interesting because I was awakened and I didn't know why, but sometimes um, I am awakened and I just go to adoration. You say you're awakened. You mean in a spiritual sense or do you mean when you're sleeping? Um, No, I was sleeping. I was sleeping and then I just woke up and there's times I can't get back to sleep. Like I am wide awake and it's the wee hours of the morning. And usually I know that um, if that happens and I can't, I know I'm not going back to sleep. So if I get up. So you're asleep. You sometimes will awaken early in the morning and you will know. What, what is it that you know? So one, when I know I can't get back to sleep and it's really early, it's like, and there was no, like, I just know the difference. There's times I can roll over and just go back to sleep. This was not happening. I was, I was wide awake as wide awake as I am now. And I didn't like, there wasn't anything in my mind, in my heart that said anything. It was just, okay, die, you're awake. And I just had this desire. I just went to adoration, which uh, is not uncommon. Well, so, so speak of adoration. Uh, I imagine there are oh, many people who don't have any yeah, idea so what adoration is. Adoration is um, in the Catholic Church. We speak of exposing the what we refer to as the Blessed Sacrament, which is really the Eucharist. And it's the larger Eucharist, which is round and about that big. So it's about the size of a maybe a small orange, right? Like 
and it is put inside of a large monstrance. Uh, and what it is, is we believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And so we have what we call adoration, and it's held at a Catholic church, typically in a small chapel. And there are pews there that when you go in, and in the wee hours of the morning, there's not many people, it's very quiet, and you just pray in silence. It is silent adoration of our Lord, and um, many people will go to praise, honor, and worship Jesus. And in my fashion, and at that hour of the morning, I, I was there and there was um, very few. It was probably myself and another person. So you so you and, got um, out of bed, got dressed, and drove to a church yep, for adoration. I drove. Yeah, I was I was probably like less than 10 minutes away from adoration or the chapel. It was in Towson. It was our it was the Immaculate Conception in Towson, the Church of the Immaculate Conception. And that's where I went. And I think that what was extremely odd for me is um, I have known about the Oblates of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's where I would do my retreats. I would go on a retreat every year for eight days, silent retreat. And so it was a wave to fill myself back up again. And I loved doing it. And I didn't really know much about the founder of the order at all. And this is what was the weirdest part of the, this visit to adoration is I have never had this movement to have an interest in who the founder of the Oblates of the Blessed Virgin Mary, never. And I was like, why in the world would I ever look that up now? But it wouldn't leave me. The thought wouldn't go away. And so, um, so, so while, while you're at the Immaculate Conception Church, saying yeah. praying to adoration, the thought kept coming to you about the Oblates, which is a particular yeah. order, of, a religious Oblates, order. Yes. It's not a diocesan. The diocesan is the Catholic order that is typically most of the churches, but it's a, so um, like the Redemptorists are another order within the Catholic church. So the Oblates of the Blessed Virgin Mary are another order. Like the Jesuits, people might be familiar with the Jesuits. Yeah, the Jesuits are an order within the Catholic church and they have typically what they call a rector major and they still report, they still have a hierarchy who who is the Pope. And so their hierarchy is slightly different with their diocesans have an archbishop and then um, the Pope is um, there is the head of the order and he typically reports up to the Pope. That's how that works. Right. They're not, so, they're not diocesan orders. They're not the ones doing the working with the people in the churches. They're out in the churches. And, that's and right. Usually in the but community. they do um, oddly enough, the Oblates are um, headquartered in the U S headquarters is in Massachusetts in Milton. They do have a parish that they support there. So, or they have a church that, which is a parish. So, um, but they're all over the world as well. And so I had never really thought about the founder of the order at all. And um, that was what was really odd about this time. This was really different for me. And I did look him up and I almost had, I just almost fell off my chair. When so I so saw you it. left the adoration having these thoughts. I did thoughts not do the adoration. Yeah, okay. I stayed. You stayed. And I literally pulled out my phone oh. <laughs> and I looked him up on my phone because I had never looked him up before. And I usually don't pull out my phone to do research when I'm in adoration. <laughs> I just don't. I don't do that. And um, I was inspired to to read about him. And I was reading and I was like, what do you, why am I reading this? Like I, I almost put it down and then I, I swiped and I vividly remember seeing a date, August 5th. And I went, what? You had a thought of the Oblates. Then, then you looked that up 
and then now, how did you get to August the August? No, I, I was looking for the I was looking for the founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. It was very specific. I wasn't just looking reading about the Oblates. No, I already knew about them, but I didn't know anything about the founder. And it was when I was in adoration, I purposely went and looked up the founder, which was Venerable Bruno Lantieri. Venerable means he is in the process of becoming a saint. So he's been given that um, Venerable is the first stage in becoming um, a saint within the Catholic Church. And then um, when they become blessed, and then they become a saint. And there has to be two miracles that are credited to that person in order for, and a number of other things from the sanctity of life to, to his mission and his virtue, particularly his virtue. All of that has to be considered by the church in order for a person to be declared a saint. They have to go through this process and it's very vigorous and it has to be approved obviously by the Pope and um, Venerable Bruno Lantieri wrote a book, Begin Again, um, which is where um, the prayer card was generated. In other words, the, the, the wording from that prayer card came from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lantieri. And what got me on that path specifically is when I realized his date, his feast date of his death was the same date as Archer's accident on August 5th. Exactly. And that I got chills. I had never, I was in a state of just shock reading this. And that is when I literally wrote you the letter and it was pretty long. And I, I literally explained that this was gripping. It was like a moment I couldn't even believe and that this was really important. Maybe this was important in Archer's healing. And I sent you that letter and I think it got lost. You would receive so much mail that I think it sat underneath a pile of letters and cards. They were flowing in by the droves and it was under it. And I think it took you, was it a month or two months before you actually got to the letter itself. And then you reached out. And um, I think by that time I was working on cutting the, the prayer card for him. It was remarkable because the letter was long. And it also, you implored me to look him up and, and like gasp, he looks like Archer. In his book, Begin Again, Father Bruno Lanteri also was known for saying, Hope for everything, obtain everything. And now you know the rest of the story and where our tagline originated. Back to the Archer update of October 28th. Here's another little crazy part about why it felt so right for us to adopt Father Bruno as someone to ask for intercession for Archer. Since August 5th, we have been sent relics and been asked to devote our prayers to a few particular blessed or beatified persons. Four to date, to be exact, sent to us by dear friends and a priest. Each of the blessed or beatified only need one more miracle to be canonized as a saint. I'd felt very conflicted about having to choose one of these almost saints over another. 
and was wondering if we prayed and sought intercession from all four and a creative miracle occurred, if all four could get the credit, so to speak, and thus be canonized as saints, like Mother Teresa and Pope John Paul II. (laughs) That's to make you laugh out loud, but it's true. I wondered that. It might surprise you, but over the weeks in Atlantic City, I was really conflicted about this. I wanted to do the right thing for Archer, and I prayed about it and decided to let it go. Upon our arrival in Atlanta seven weeks ago, we were visited by an old friend, a Monsignor, Monsignor Dillon in Atlanta, whom I have traveled with over the years to Lourdes, France, making pilgrimages with the Order of Malta. Ironically, taking malades, those who are very sick or dying, to bathe and seek healing in the waters underneath the place in the grotto where the Blessed Mother appeared many times, more than 150 years ago, to a poor little girl, with it all chronicled by the local constable who tried to have the family thrown out of the town. Now, in Atlanta, Two months ago, I was flooded with joy when Monsignor walked into our cold ICU room and totally surprised me. I forgot he headed a parish in Atlanta, and after hugs and hellos, I asked if I could seek his counsel, and we set up a time later that week. I wanted to talk with him about such things like canonization of saints and such. He's very wise and kind and I love him very much from prior trips and good times and prayerful times in France. I was hoping he would confirm that if I prayed to all the beatified whom people told us about and if Archer experienced a miracle that they all would become saints. (laughs) Well, he smiled and said benevolently in his Irish brogue, My dear Louise, it doesn't work that way. Yes, I laughed. I figured. You mean no twofers or fourfers? And we both laughed a bit. But then he said, There's no need for you, my child, to feel the angst you do. Those holy men and women do not need your miracle. They're already saints in heaven with God. I felt this burden lifted, and I felt very relieved and peaceful. That made sense to me. I mean, wasn't that a beautiful thing for him to tell me? Monsignor then added, However, of course... If you feel a particular pull to one holy person in particular, then pray to that person. It will be meaningful to you. And of course, all the saints hear your prayers for intercession, just as the Blessed Mother does. I told him I did not feel a particular pull to any of them, 
and thanked my wise friend. And that is when I put the matter aside. I have had a new angst these last two weeks at Shepherd. Archer has been in a no-man's land. He has made such wonderful progress, but for all the reasons I shared before, I have felt quite untethered, unanchored. And I also realize that the days are so slammed with therapy and learning and practicing and negotiating for every step of Archer's recovery that I'm very tired. And I have not set aside the time I need to pray. I know when I get jumbled and unanchored that it's often because I have been too busy and have not had solitude and time to pray. So, purposeful in a time of turmoil, helped by Pete and Billy and good words, I set aside time to rest, to rest, to find God. And there was this amazing turn of events. Father Bruno, we beseech thee. Father Bruno feels like a pole. An archer said it was good. Thank you, prayer warriors, for joining me and for telling me I had to rest too. Please find the place for you to rest and to listen to how God is calling you too. I love you all. I will close by letting you know Archer and I have added yet another T to the therapist. Of course, you are all part of FT, Family and Friends Therapy. We have HT, Hug Therapy, and C2CT. That's cheek to cheek. Archer's temperatures still swing, and he's battling a UTI. He gets so cold while he's spiking at temperature and can't even have a sheet over him for all the sweating of his upper body and lack of regulation. He asks for hot towels and especially around his sweating face and head. Well, last week when I returned from Kentucky and it was late and he was having a tough night with the sweating and vomiting and chills, he asked for a warm towel. I went and got one at the ICU. I put it around his head, Arab-like as he likes, and I pressed it around his face. He especially liked my pressing it against his cheeks, which also absorbed the perspiration. I leaned over and said, has anyone told you yet today that they love you? And he nodded, no. And I said, well, I love you, and I missed you. I put my arms awkwardly around his shoulders. As I stood bedside, I then held his face in my hands and leaned back to him and rested my cheek against his cheek with the warm towel between us. He loved it. He just nestled in like 
we do when we feel safe and cozy. It was a sweet moment. And last night, when I returned from Austin, he was awake, not having a good night. He again asked if I'd get a warm towel. And he asked me if I would press my cheek against his. It was touching. So he had really liked that. So on my tippy toes over his electric hospital bed, I leaned over to press my cheek against his and to hold him close. I realized how good it was for him, for me, for both of us. It was incredibly restorative. And as I pulled away, after what seemed like a very long time, Archer shook his head no and whispered, Please, more. So, until my legs quivered from leaning over and being on my tippy toes for so long, we had cheek-to-cheek therapy. And that's what we call it, cheek-to-cheek therapy. Add it to the T's, C-to-C-T. I hope you will be willing to give Archer a hug when you see him. Please, don't be afraid to. Thank you again, prayer warriors, Archer's angels, Archer's army, and all good people. Thank you, Mother Mary, for helping me be a good mother, especially when I stumble and I don't know what to do. Thank you, dear Lord, Thank you, Jesus and God, for reminding me again of your presence, your mercy, your love. We will have a creative miracle. Pray for a creative miracle. Father Bruno, please intercede and have Archer walk again. Amen. Sending love. Having Father Bruno Lanteri enter our world in such a divinely led way would play out over the coming weeks, months, and years. It set a new tone for the hope that we could have and also once again expanded my understanding of time and divinity. Father Bruno had so many parallels to Archer, and it allowed me to see Archer through a new lens of hope and an understanding of the spiritual depths of his journey, some of which I will likely never know. This time we share together with this story is so precious. We are creating such a rich and vibrant community together. Those of you who know what it's like to have your life changed in the blink of an eye, and those of you who are spinal cord injured, those of you with loved ones who are spinal cord injured or suffering a major loss, and those of you who are here because of your connection to Archer or to our family or who are on your own healing journey and find the resources and learnings here valuable. We are together in this, 
We are so blessed to be together at this moment in time. As we pause to take in this story, good for us all. As always, if you learned something today or had an experience that moved you or brought you insight, please share this episode with a friend. You can subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Your support means the world and allows us to continue sharing this story and these resources. We can all begin again every day. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love, hope, or everything. Obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. Tune in next week for the companion Blink of an Eye Trauma Healing Learning 24. Father Bruno Lanteri's Healing Legacy with Father John Wikes, OVM. Thank you for listening and thank you for telling your friends about Blink of an Eye podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.